Today, we're going to take a look at a report from MJ Business Daily about consumption, you know, cannabis lounges, marijuana lounges, cannabis cafes, hospitality, whatever you want to call it. Each state kind of calls it a different thing. So we're going to dive into this and see kind of how the pandemic kind of set a, a, a blowback to, to the industry for consumption lounges, push everything back a little bit. Um, so we're going to dive into all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So Consumption Lounge is something that we've been waiting around quite a long time for. I myself uh, jumped into the industry in 2015 to try to open up the Seattle Super Chronic Cafe only to have Washington State um, about 60 days after I launched that initiative. Uh, the state here uh, put a Class C felony on maintaining and operating a marijuana lounge, one of the harshest laws. Uh, so my pivot was catering and event planning, which then pivoted to wholesale and brokering. And then that kind of turned into advising, consulting. Uh, and now I run a, a hedge fund just because the, the timing um, is, uh, is anyone's guess, really. So um, initially, right off the bat, from my own personal uh, experience in 2015, I joined a nonprofit. It's called the Cannabis Alliance. So there's a lot of these opportunities for anyone who wants to try and get a law passed. I would advise you to go ahead and do that. Um, so I joined Lobby Days, as it's called. I went down to the Olympia, that's the state capital, went down there and met with um, several House reps and senators to kind of tell them about cannabis and why we needed a lounge. Um, then proceeded to um, meet for the next nine months with committee members. I was the head of committee. We dove into eight different states' bills, um, all of these and, and then some included that are on here. So um, I've got some extensive experience and knowledge reading these bills, writing our own bill, and then having the pandemic come in and just kind of wipe out all of that is incredibly frustrating. Uh, but so here we are. It's post-pandemic. A lot of people are kind of um, they've got fatigue, and so they're looking at um, uh, other ways of, of generating revenue, of course, and kind of pushing forward the industry. And this is one of those sectors where, where they need to do just that. So for a lot of these cannabis businesses that wanted to start and open up a cannabis lounge or a tasting room, uh, you know, where customers could either come in and, and smoke their own stuff and or purchase. Again, each state has their own different rules and laws. Vegas went all out crazy. They wanted to have alcohol and everything, just like a club. Um, and, and that's great. That's what I really enjoyed about uh, being uh, over in Europe and Amsterdam has their, you know, you can have wine and cannabis, everything, everyone's an adult there. I think in the US, uh, not being federally legal, it's a little bit more difficult to kind of push for that. But, um, you know, I think there's a time and a place for that for sure. And Vegas probably is that, <laughs> that place. Um, and then a, again, a year ago, when the pandemic struck, everyone kind of forced their plans to be on hold. Maybe this is the time for uh, Vegas to kind of open that up and show people that you can kind of consume cannabis and alcohol and be responsible, maybe. <laughs> There's going to be some issues too right now. A lot of people aren't wanting to go to the movies. They don't want to hang out and consume. They're not going to want to pass a joint or smoke on other people's pipes. Um, the, there's a long-term cannabis lounge uh, in Portland that had to shut down during the pandemic. It was very difficult for them to generate revenue from even the beginning. They couldn't make food on site. That was part of Oregon's issue down in Portland. So the Northwest Cannabis Club that I've been a member at for five years had to shut down. 
um, which is really unfortunate. So trying to generate revenue, if you can't sell cannabis directly, like most can't, then how do you, how do you generate revenue? They never had a barista because they couldn't necessarily sell, um, you know, any uh, foods or beverages, um, except like Costco chips and stuff. So not really something that you can pay rent on consistently over and over. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest hurdles is how these companies uh, generate revenue and are able to, um, based on the limitations that they have, certain jurisdictions aren't going to allow for food, certain states, cities, municipalities, whatever, aren't going to allow for direct sales. Um, other people want like single use, like you can only take in or buy what you can smoke there. All these crazy ass rules are really going to limit um, the desire to go as well as their revenue opportunities. So I think um, this is going to be a very challenging uh, arena for people to enter. Denver was one of the first um, areas really to kind of give out a permit and it was um, just a pilot program. Of course, um, down in California, there's um, gray market areas, you know, there's, there's coffee shops down there. Hitman coffee shop, for example, has, has been around for um, a while, but I don't think it was like state approved. So for Alaska, they had regulators approved two cannabis lounges last year, but then the pandemic hit, um, people were worried about airborne, um, spreading, you know, rapidly and the people blowing smoke in an enclosed area could, maybe accelerate the rate of infection, nobody really knew. And so uh, the owner essentially had to pause um, that, that opening for, the, um, for that lounge. There was a second lounge in Fairbanks that everyone is hoping that will open up this year. And then again, Colorado permits consumption lounges, but only a few have opened. Um, and some of those pilot programs in Denver are still kind of running around there's a cannabis lounge in Denver called the Smoking Gun. They have a hundred square foot tasting room. Uh, ten by ten is way too small for uh, you know pandemic. <laughs> Might only have one person in there, um, but I mean that's a decent sized hot box, that's for sure. So apparently these uh, folks at the Smoking Gun, uh, they're not really sure when they're going to open. But instead of like this tasting room that's really cramped and small, they're thinking about building out a rooftop patio for a lounge. Um, probably a better idea. So. Uh, they don't really know how they're going to charge people though. So they're still, they haven't really determined yet uh, if they're going to charge a fee for people to come and bring their own or whether or not they're going to sell cannabis directly on site. So um, <laughs> if you haven't figured out how you're going to generate revenue, that, again, that kind of goes back to my, my thing I was saying before that they're not going to stay in business. If you don't have food, if you don't have a way to generate revenue, people aren't just going to come uh, and keep you in business. So there's obviously regulatory issues. Colorado's laws are on the books permitting lounges, but there's tons of restrictions prohibiting some businesses from opening aside from just the pandemic. For instance, this building uh, that they're trying to have in Colorado um, is less than 10 feet shy of the thousand foot distance from a daycare facility. So same thing that is in Washington State and many other places, if you're anywhere close to a, a children, that's daycare, um, a park or school or church, needs to be a thousand feet away. So 990 feet isn't, isn't far enough away. So uh, basically they're not permitted to do anything um, with the exception of maybe at night, if you rent the entire space, then you can, you can do that if no one's around, maybe, I don't know. But, um, 
they want to have a social consumption license and they've been trying to get that setback reduced by half. They want it 500 feet instead of a thousand, but the city's adamant about keeping it at a thousand and every other state is as well. I don't think that they're going to uh, reduce that at all. So um, California, I guess is permitting consumption lounges, but they're closed because of the pandemic. So I'm not really sure how that's going to help out. In Chicago, suburb of Chicago, there's the Luna Lounge. They want to have an on-site consumption lounge in the next couple of months. It'd be the first recreational consumption lounge in the state. Uh, and customers are going to bring their own. They're going to sell or rent papers, pipes, and other paraphernalia. But that's not enough to stay in business. I mean, you've got rent. So unless those papers are incredibly expensive, there's no way. That's exactly what, what they were trying to do in Portland at the Northwest Cannabis Club. Um, they had events, they had um, sesh nights, they had all you know barbecues, all of these things, and they just could not stay in business, um, even for you know a nonprofit um, trying to to generate some some revenue. But we'll, we'll see. Um, again, Nevada wants a tasting room, so they have um, uh, located on tribal land north of the Las Vegas Strip. They're opening before the pandemic, now temporarily closed because of the pandemic. Um, so the new Woo Cannabis Market, they're opening a tasting room. They're going to lose out on their first mover advantages as Planet 13, gigantic retail shop. They're planning on consumption lounges when the state approves them. So Planet 13, they've got a 112,000 square foot superstore. And it's going to have everything, including uh, consumption lounges. So that will be interesting because you can go in there, buy it. And I'm assuming that uh, they're not going to have as many limitations as a standalone brick and mortar consumption uh, lounge would. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Planet 13 is also going to add a restaurant, a bar, customer facing production, all of these things to kind of not only generate revenue, but get people entertained and keep them coming back for more. So that's definitely going to help them stay in business. Um, having a rec shop is going to be something that helps them generate revenue. Uh, obviously, tourism is going to be a big thing so that they can smoke it, not in their um, hotel room. So that's going to be a big deal. So other states, we mentioned Alaska. Uh, they've got some rules. Arizona is not yet specified. California is allowed by the locality. So tobacco and alcohol can't be sold or consumed on site. Uh, whereas Colorado, um, they've approved to allow on-site cannabis hospitality back in 2019. Illinois, they've also allowed retailers for locations that have opted in. Maine, they don't have it yet. Social use was allowed in the voter initiative, but lawmakers rewrote the law. Massachusetts doesn't have anything as of fall 2018, although on-site consumption may be allowed in the future. Michigan has regulations for on-site consumption, but haven't been issued. Montana is to be determined. And then Nevada doesn't have any yet, um, but they have a two-year moratorium uh, because alcohol pretty much scared them out of that. New Jersey does. Um, retailers that operate a cannabis consumption area, customers can go and buy cannabis and then, um, or maybe even bring their own. Oregon um, doesn't have any consumption allowed by law, but there are plenty of places and, and no one's shutting those down. So um, actually, I wasn't even aware that Oregon didn't have a law because it's so open and legal down there. That's kind of surprising. <laughs> South Dakota, um, not included in their constitutional amendment, could be included in legislative uh, or permitted by regulators at Vermont and Washington State do not have uh, any consumption that's allowed. But I am trying to change that. So hopefully maybe, um, you know, fourth quarter this year, they'll be ready two years later. Um, probably not. 
So probably wait another year before we reintroduce that. We've got um, some House reps and senators in Washington State that would like to add the bill, but it's um, very limited right now. So don't think that we can kind of tell them that they're going to generate a lot of revenue and that it's going to create a lot of jobs because it's probably not. So it's really, uh, it's a hard sell. So we're gonna have to wait and see what happens with that. So we're gonna roll this one up, come back to the Talking Hedge and find out more about on-site consumption lounges. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked, the podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.